Hey, everybody, I am so excited that you're here at Downtown Harbor Church. Happy Easter. My name is Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here, so I get to come up here a lot and talk about uh, some different things with you guys week in and week out. And we are in the middle of this series called Take a Walk. And what we're doing during this series is we are taking a look at eyewitness accounts of people who kind of walked alongside Jesus and what they saw, what they saw about him, what he said about himself, which is we're gonna, what we're going to talk about today. But before we kind of dive in, I have a question that I'd like to ask you. This question, if you can answer it, that means your life is probably different. That means your life has probably been changed. Because I know, because I asked myself this question, and my life was different based on how I asked myself this question and my answer to this question. So the question that I have for you this morning is so profound when you think about it. It's so deep and detailed when you think about it. And when you answer this question and you can say that you have an answer to this question, everything about your present is probably different and everything about your future is going to be different because this question, this one question transforms things and makes things different and makes things new. And it's so important for us to understand how vitally essential this question is to each one of our futures, okay? You ready for the question? This is, it's, a, it's a good one. It's serious now. Here we go. Have you ever been in a South Florida cab? No, I'm, I'm not like saying like the, that's an abbreviation for something. I'm saying, have you ever been in a South Florida taxi, right? Because if you can answer that question and the answer is yes, then your future is different because of that experience. You know that if you've been in a South Florida cab for whatever reason, that for what, how, whenever the automobiles were manufactured or whatever that was like, there was a certain smell that got infused in that cab, right? And you know this, and I don't know if this is just you know, local to South Florida or it's everywhere, but my experience is only here. And you know that for whatever reason, the leather that they installed in that cab is like decaying, right? And I don't know why that is, but I, and also, like, if you're in South Florida and it's, it's hot down here and it might be muggy, you know when you get into that cab and it might be muggy that you stick to that cab. And I don't know why that happened or why that, and you also know that if you have been in a cab in South Florida, that right on the back of those seats, like, you're getting 5% off at the quarter deck next time. Like, it's happening, right? There are some great things in that cab, but if we were being honest, we would say about our experience in a South Florida cab that it's basically like being in the seventh circle of hell, right? It is a brutal experience with brutal customer service, and it takes forever to get one. If you're at the airport, you know, specifically if you're in coach in the back of the plane, how long that line is to flag a cab, right? But if being in a South Florida cab is like being in the seventh circle of hell, Uber is like a thin slice of heaven in your life, right? You know this if you've Ubered, because let me tell you about Uber. Uber is an app on your phone, and you open it up, and basically within minutes, there is a Uber driver at your front door. And the car has to be newer than a 2011 model. You even get to see a picture of your Uber driver on the phone, and you have the ability to rate them. And generally, when I get into an Uber, the experience is so good, some Uber drivers even hand me a bottle of water once I get in the car. This is a complete night and day experience, right? 
And Uber is new on the scene. Uber's doing new things. Uber is a, kind of a next-gen company. And what I didn't know, and I found this out through like local media outlets in South Florida, I didn't know how much of an established like presence the cab companies had here. They had a monopoly. They had one forever. And when Uber came on the scene, when Uber came on the scene, the cab companies were not happy. In fact, they were angry. They were very angry, and they wanted to do one thing to Uber. Here's what they wanted to do. They wanted to kill it. They wanted Uber gone. And you know, if you've been around our town for any length of time, that Uber actually went, again, went away. The cab companies tried to kill Uber, but it's back. Why do I tell you that story as we begin about the cab companies and Uber? Well, it's because that in a very metaphorical way, the same thing happened thousands of years ago when Jesus came on the scene and he was trying to do something new and something different and the establishment did not like it. So that's where we're going to land today. Because see, for thousands of years, these kind of ancient Jewish people, post-creation, had been trying to get to know God. They'd been trying to get to God. And they've been doing a number of things because, see, at the beginning of time, darkness entered the world. Evil entered the world. And things were not how they were supposed to be. Man couldn't get back to God because there was evil and darkness in the world. So for a long time, thousands of years, they had been waiting for a Messiah, okay? For a Messiah. And here's what it is. Messiah, this idea, this word Messiah, was this word that was described to be this person who would come to earth to make things right with God. That this Messiah, should you believe in him, they've been, people have been waiting for it for a long time, that should you believe in him, that you would then be right with God because you weren't at that point in time because evil and darkness had entered the world. And so they were waiting for this person called the Messiah. They've been waiting a long time. But let me kind of take you back to the old. Let me take you back to some ancient Jewish law and what the religious leaders of the time were actually doing. John, I think I'm having some issues with my clicker. Okay, there we go. So the religious leaders of the time, let me talk to you about what they were doing with people because what they were doing is they were instructing people and they were helping people get to know God and they started to do it in ways that were, they, like they were doing laws and all this kind of stuff and Jesus came to change some of that. So I want to put some things up on the screen that I think are going to help us understand that a little better. Here's what the religious leaders of the time were helping the people do to know God better. Here's the first one, Ten Commandments. There were commandments that you've probably heard of these before. And it was said that if you followed these commandments that you were going to be closer to God or you were going to please God, you were going to be closer to him or honoring him. So there was the uh, honor your mother and father, do not kill. These laws were important, but it didn't just stop at 10 commandments. There were 613 Jewish laws that existed they also did sacrifices. They would bring animals to like these temples and they would actually kill animals. And in some way, they thought that this was bringing them closer to God. There were rituals that they had. There were these things that they would do. And when they participated in those things, it was said that they were closer to God during those moments. And some of their things were a little bit out there. Here's another thing they thought they could do. No polyester, right? If that, I mean, if you didn't, because if you were wearing polyester, it was not a good thing for you. Okay, so here's what was happening. For thousands of years, there were people who were trying to get to know God, trying to get back to God, waiting for the coming Messiah. And this is what they did to get closer to God. It is the old way, the past, the old. But then 
something radical happened. The Messiah that they were waiting for showed up on earth, and that's where Jesus comes in to play. And Jesus actually created a new way, a simpler way, a cleaner way, where he said, you don't have to do all of those things. You don't have to practice all of these things just to get close to God. I am here to tell you, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for. I'm the one you've been waiting for all this time, and there is a new way. There's something that is radically different from the old way that we're all going to start doing, and it's going to be new and better and different. So, in in the old way, you had all of those things, Ten Commandments, 613, sacrifices, rituals, no polyester. But in the new way, which was so exciting, Jesus said this. He goes, it's all about this. This, love, love, love. He goes, I know you've been doing this for a long time. I know you've been doing this forever. And this is going to sound crazy and weird and radical. And I don't know if you're even going to accept this, but trust me, this is the new way. Now, the religious leaders of the time who were encouraging folks to do this, and don't get me wrong, they weren't bad guys. They were leaders and scholars, and they thought they knew everything inside and out, but it was just going to change. They were doing this, and Jesus came on the scene, and they didn't like it. They were mad. And sure enough, they would always try to trick Jesus. They would always say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, like we're going to try to set you up so you say something that you shouldn't say, and that way we can have our way with you. So as they were trying to do that one time, here is what it says in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 29 through 30. They were trying to trick Jesus because they asked him, hey, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest law? What are all the things that you've, we've been doing forever? What's the most important one? You're so smart. What is it? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. He knew he was saying that so he would establish relationship with them first. He's giving them what they want, and then he's going to flip the switch on them. And then he said, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. But then he said something that changed the future of humanity. He said something that changed everything from that point forward. He said something that was so radical and so outrageous that people were so mad and they lost their minds. Then this is what he said. But the second, it's not just about one, there's one more. And it's equally important, equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Changes everything. Because everything that they had done throughout their history of humanity was based on those commandments and laws and sacrifices and rituals. And now Jesus said, no, no, no. Things are different. Things are changing. It's all about love. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't miss it. It's how you show love to God. Whew. Imagine that their worlds were just rocked. And if you're sitting, listening to this today, here's a question I have for you. Why listen to this guy? Jesus is saying this. Why, why listen to him? Because, I mean, after all, at the end of the day, he is just a guy who they've encountered, and he's claiming to be the Messiah, but he really hasn't proved anything yet. How do we know we should listen to him? Why should we listen to him? Well, Jesus then began to tell his disciples and disciples were the word, it's the word that was used to describe his closest friends, his followers. Jesus 
decided to predict into the future with his disciples what would happen. And he started to predict these moments that we're talking about today. And listen to what he said in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and priests, chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Now, he's predicting his own death, that the establishment of the time, the chief priests, the leaders, that they were going to kill him. And then he's actually predicting, but don't worry, boys, three days, I'm coming back. Now, if you, if you were one of the disciples, one of his closest followers, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would have to think, I don't, I mean, is this really, can this really be possible, really be coming true? Is this guy a nut and I've been following him, any, following him anyway? You probably wouldn't think about that. You probably wouldn't even grasp that it's so impossible. The impossible becoming possible. How could this be? But the religious leaders of the time finally had enough of Jesus. So they put him on trial. They had enough of this new way. They didn't like their system being messed with. They didn't like the new. They wanted the old. They wanted to do what they had always, always done. So they put Jesus on trial. And there was a guy, the Roman governor, by the name of Pilate, who heard the case of Jesus with angry mobs around. Just imagine this. And you've probably heard this before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is your first time hearing this. But there are angry mobs around because they are so tired of Jesus in this new way. There are angry mobs shouting, crucify him. And Pilate, the governor, said, but I can't find anything wrong that this guy did. I can't even, I, he didn't do anything. What do you want me to put him to death for? But Pilate finally gave in and he turned Jesus over to the angry mob who took him up on a hillside outside the city of Jerusalem where Jesus experienced crucifixion. Now, you might have heard that word before, but maybe you haven't. Let me tell you what it is. Crucifixion is an awful, awful form of death. Crucifixion is probably the worst way that you can think about dying. When they nail your hands and feet to a cross and then you basically suffocate and choke to death. And your life ends. And Jesus, who didn't do anything wrong, all he did was promote the new way, was killed on that very day on a hillside outside the city of Jerusalem. Eyewitnesses, it's documented. He took his final breath and died. But if we go back to the book of Mark, Jesus began to teach them the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed. The predictions were already coming true. He knew about what happened to him, and then he predicted the most radical and amazing event in human history. And we are only all here today because of this next prediction that he made. And after three days, rise again. And that's when resurrection occurred. Resurrection is coming back to life and never dying again. Jesus predicted that this would happen to him. And that 
is why we're here today on Easter talking about this event, this miraculous event in human history. But I want to actually go through the text and just show you what it said and how amazed these people were when it happened. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, we're going to talk about them at another time, but they're important characters in this story. And the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Another miracle, the impossible becoming possible. Things that shouldn't happen are happening. And then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. Then it goes on. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was laying. The women ran quickly from the tomb, and as they went, Jesus met them. This guy that they witnessed die met them and greeted them, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. It goes on, Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will meet, and they will see me there. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is so important, don't miss this. This is crucial to everything. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So I ask you, why listen to this guy? Why do we believe what he says? Why should we go and love our neighbors as ourselves? And that's the way that we show love to God. Why should we do that? Well, I'll tell you this. I believe this, that when Jesus rose from the grave, he proved that he was God. And that's why we should listen to him. That's why we take that so seriously. And for some of you, this is a miraculous, impossible event that cannot be true. And I have to tell you, we struggle through doubts around here all the time, and we have conversations and talk because we're all trying to figure this thing out together. But I believe the reason that we should take the words of Jesus so seriously is because when he rose from the dead, he proved that he was God in some way that we're never going to fully understand or, gra or grasp. But I believe he did that to show us who he really was. Now, a lot of people will tell you, especially if you've ever been around Christians or people who are a part of the Jesus movement or people who go to church, a lot of them will tell you that the foundation of our faith, the foundation of Christianity and its history is based on a book, the Bible. The foundation of our faith is based on this book. I'm here to tell you that I do not believe that that is true. I believe the scripture is inspired and, and, and true, but our faith, the foundation of the Christian faith, is not based on a book. It's based on an event, the resurrection, Jesus proving to us that he was God. And when he did this, he proved that he wasn't just some random guy. He wasn't some just guy who was a nut and a lunatic. He proved it by doing what he did. And today, we celebrate that. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you? Because I always say that information is just information until you figure out what to do with the information. I believe this. I believe that in every person's life who wants to kind of make a turn in a direction and go that way, there's got to be a moment where you kind of plant your feet in the ground and you go, you know what? I'm probably never going to understand all of this. 
I'm never going to get every facet of this because I don't either. But I will tell you this. There's got to come a point in time where you understand and you just believe. You put your feet in the sand and go, in some way that I'll probably never be able to understand, I believe that Jesus is who he said that he was. He made these claims about himself. The guy predicted his own death and resurrection. So you know what? I'm with him. I don't know about any other people who've done that. And so you can make a choice to believe. You can make a choice to believe in these events. You can make a choice to believe in Jesus. And here's what I want you to know, which is so important, and why we started Downtown Harbor Church and why we're all in this together. I truly believe from the bottom of my heart, you can know God in a moment. You can put your feet in the sand and say, yes, I'm going to understand and believe this, but here's what else I know, and it's more important sometimes than all of us like being engaged with that. Here it is. It will take you forever to figure out what that means. You can know God in a moment. You can say yes and go, I'm in. You will never, ever be able to grasp or understand all of this because I don't. And you know why? I know that you'll never get it and I'll never get it because I'm not God. And God, who we, who we have envisioned in our minds as some, like, guy like some white guy with a beard sitting on a cloud like we've all been told like you know that's what he is and seen pictures of him you know with a fork or whatever i don't okay right but here's the deal here's the deal i believe that god this supreme spiritual miraculous creator of the universe is bigger than all of that he's way bigger than that and what we've historically seen so yes you can know god in a moment but it will take you forever to figure out what that means that is why we're here at downtown harbor church we have been meeting with people and hanging out and having cups of coffee and talking about spiritual things. And I'm so excited to see people engaging and interacting with each other. And here's what we always come down to. Yes, we believe that Jesus is who he said that he was, but we will never have all the answers as it relates to creation and spirituality. We'll never know it all. There does have to come a point in time where we just kind of put our feet in the sand and go, okay, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to pivot my life and go that, go that direction. And this is what I believe this is what it means. It means that Jesus is who he said that he was. It means that Jesus is who he said that he was. And you know, we've been taught in churches for a long time, and if you've been around churches or even watched the media, you've been taught a lot that faith is all about you. That the more classes you attend, the more church events you go to, the more you come into the doors to attend a service, that you will be a better person because of it. And I have to tell you, just standing up here today, I think the church has gotten it completely backwards and wrong. So once you plant your feet in the sand and say, yes, Jesus is who we said that he was, this is your next step. And it's so simple, yet so profound. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. What if it was that simple? What if it was actually way less complex than we've ever been told? What if it wasn't so complicated and there weren't rituals and laws and things that you had to do anymore because Jesus said, hey, look at me, believe in me, and then go love people. Stop looking up at God so much. Stop trying to get right with him. You're right with God. Stop looking up and start looking around. What if it was that simple? Because I will tell you something. I think that the practices of the modern day church coming in there and hanging out and just getting more beefed up and fed up ourselves have, has actually allowed Christians 
to treat people improperly because they are obsessed with their own personal development and growth. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It just is not the main point. And Christians have started to treat people the wrong way because of it, because they're so involved with themselves. But here's what I think. If something you believe, if your beliefs cause you to treat someone the wrong way, then something is wrong with your beliefs. Because I don't know about you, but Jesus certainly did not mistreat people. And he proved that he was who he said that he was when he rose from the grave. And today we celebrate that. So let me ask you this. If you just go love your neighbor as yourself, what does that look like? What does that look like for you? That means your children and your family should be the most important people in your life. If you're married, you should treat your spouse better than you could ever imagine. If you're in a relationship, that person should mean the most to you that you could ever, ever mean. Loving your neighbor as yourself. That means today at Easter dinner or whatever you're having, when you're annoying family members, like start to speak up, that means that you figure out how to love your neighbor as yourself. It will happen. You know why I know it will happen? Because you have a family and so do I. I just went to Walt Disney World with my, for my grandparents' 60th anniversary with every extended relative that you could find. And I, I was going back and listening to my own messages by the time I was done. Like it was just brutal, right? But here's the deal. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. In your workplace, if you're a boss, that means you are the best boss ever that people cannot wait to work for. If you're an employee, that means you work your heart out and you love those around you. Love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the foundation for our faith. Here's the foundation of why we celebrate today on this Easter. It's this, that Jesus is who he said that he was. That Jesus, who proved he was who he said that he was when he rose from the grave, can radically transform lives, communities, cities, everywhere. And I just have to ask you, if it's as simple as loving your neighbor as yourself, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want their community to be a better place? Who wouldn't want their city to be filled with people who love each other and help each other? Who wouldn't want their family to be the best that it can be? Jesus wasn't all about the future. Jesus was also all about just the here and now and loving your neighbor as yourself. Today, don't miss that. Don't miss how important that is. Don't miss how essential that is to transforming your own life, your family's life, your community's life. It changes everything. Jesus is who he said that he was. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much for the story of Jesus and who he is. I'm so thankful for Downtown Harbor Church and just what's going on here. And so many faces in this crowd here today who are just friends, who we've gotten to know each other, and we're trying to do this thing together, understanding you are who you say that you are, but we still don't have all the answers. Help us to dialogue and talk and to get to know each other and to be a community of people that want to seek after you with all of our heart. Dear God, we love you so much, and we thank you for our own lives, for the people that we care about, for the people that we love, our parents, our children, friends. We just want to love them 
to the best of our ability. We want to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus, thank you so much for everything you did for us. We are so, so thankful. We pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to say a couple of things as we kind of close, and we're going to have one more song, which is just one of my favorites and a really powerful song. Um, Downtown Harbor Church was six months old last week, so that's a really cool thing. Yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? I mean, whew, I mean, week in, week out, let me tell you something, guys. We are loading out these speakers, and like people are injured, but like we're doing it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's happening, okay? Um, one of the things, though, is I started to think about that. I started to think about all the people that I've met and who come here consistently. And what's so cool about Downtown Harbor Church is I've never, ever been a part of a church that feels like a family. And this 
I have to tell you, week in, week out, feels so good. And I've got to meet so many awesome people. And the future is so bright for people who are going to be a part of this movement. So thank you so much for coming and engaging with us. It's just going to be a, an awesome ride. Um, next week is the Jazz Brunch. Let me tell you about that and why that's important, because John brought it up earlier. The Jazz Brunch is an event that's in the city. We don't have our own events. We only go to city events. But one of the cool things that happens at the Jazz Brunch is people just come and get to know each other. So how do you get to know people around here? If you want to maybe engage or get to know somebody, how do you do it? A lot of times we go to events like that and just hang out. It's very casual. Bring your chairs. Bring your cooler. It's a really cool time. We've been going now for about three or four months. Really, really cool stuff. Two more things and then I'm done. One, how about, like, Jesus couldn't be kept down from the grave, right? He rose and is alive. And Uber is back, baby. You know what I mean? They couldn't keep them down either which is exciting. Like when that happened, I was like, this is resurrection number two, all right? So they're back, which is cool. And lastly, here's this. This is kind of the heartstrings moment here. You only get one life, one and only life to live. If we're lucky, maybe it'll be 100 years. Probably not for most of us. But with that one life that I have, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to feel like I didn't get it right. I don't want to not engage with my community and meet people. I want to have the best possible life that I can ever have. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. It's not long. 100 years is a short time. At DHC, I'm so excited because we're finally starting to get it right. Take one last listen. Happy Easter, everybody. Have a great day.